What's up, y'all? Today is Monday, which means it's time for another episode of the Shoot Your Shot Sports Podcast. But it's not just any Monday. It's Monday of NFL Draft Week. So we're going to throw in a little bit of NBA and MLB talk. But most of today's episode is going to be a first round NFL mock draft. Episode 41 coming at you right now. Hello, everybody, and thank you for tuning in once again. I'm Landon Pangburn, along with my brother and co-host, Preston Pangburn. Like I said in the intro, it is NFL Draft Week, so we're gearing up for a little mock draft action. P, how you doing, man? I'm good. It was a a great weekend, other than the Braves almost getting no-hit twice on Sunday. Yes, no-hit twice in one day, although technically not no-hitters, but yes, it almost happened. Yes, but zero runs and one hit over 14 innings. That did not make me happy. And then also, there was like a three-minute like mini hailstorm at my house on Saturday. Did you hear about that? Uh... I didn't hear about it specifically at your house, but I heard about it in Atlanta. Yes. <laughs> oh, dude, all over the news. It was like three minutes at my house. But yeah, it was very creepy. I've never experienced anything quite like it. But yeah, those were the two highlights of my weekend, I guess. Do you know what the highlight of today was in the sports world? Oh, man. No, I don't think so. Will Zalatoris engaged. Wait, what, yeah. what do you mean? Congrats, guy. He got engaged. Oh, oh. I, I thought you were talking about like slingshot engaged like in <laughs> Talladega Nights. I was like, what are you talking about? No, okay, he well, proposed to his girlfriend and yeah, so guy's going to get married. Congrats. Well, that's huge. And then last night you were at the Hawks-Bucks game, probably your first Hawks game in a couple years. How was that? Yeah, first first Hawks game in a while. It was fun. It was my first time also seeing Giannis in person, which was cool. I mean, it was just one of those things that we walked in there. We walked in at like 7.30 and the game was tipping off at 7.40, so they're out there warming up. And just the first thing that comes to mind is like, wow, Giannis is huge. Like that guy is so big and so jacked. And it was fun seeing him play. Yeah, I imagine he's really fun to watch in person because he's about seven feet tall, but he just moves like a gazelle and has to dribble once from half court to throw it down. For sure. But it was also reminiscent of old times back when Lou was in high school and you and I and dad used to go watch Lou play. Lou tore it up in the fourth quarter and, and led the Hawks to a win. Magic City Lou, welcome home. Welcome home, Magic City Lou. All right, I do have a couple quick MLB and NBA things to talk about before, before we move on to NFL. So first thing I wanted to do was give you a little trivia question. You ready for it? Oh boy, yeah. Okay, so currently, uh, the front runner in the NBA MVP race is Nikola Jokic, who was the 41st overall pick in the draft. Right now, as it currently stands, who is the lowest draft pick to ever win NBA MVP? Oh man, that's a tough one. It's definitely not Derrick Rose. (laughs) Correct. (laughs) He comes to mind immediately as the youngest MVP ever, but he was drafted one overall, so can't be him. It's not him. Oh, gosh. I'll give you a little hint. He is recent, like we watched him play, and he was 15th overall. 15th overall. Oh, this is embarrassing. Steph was what, seven? Steph was seven, yeah. It's not LeBron. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. I'm blanking on this one. Steve Nash. Really? Okay. 
Yeah, I thought that was a really good, interesting interesting little fact there. That is interesting. Didn't he win it twice in a row? He did. He was back-to-back MVP. One of the Double few. record. Yeah, that Steve Nash. He was sick. One of those guys that I think has been a little bit too quickly forgotten or a little bit underappreciated. Like, you go out there and ask some high school kid today, they have no idea how good Steve Nash was. That guy was incredible in his prime. Yes, he was. And I think he had like four different 50, 40, 90 seasons. If you don't know what that means, 50% free throws, 40% from three, 90% free throws, sorry, 50% field goals. Anyway, yeah, he did that, I think three or four times, which is nuts. Incredible shooter. And that reminds me, do you know who's on pace to do it this year? I don't. (laughs) So I saw this last week, apparently Tony Snell with the Hawks is averaging, no way. He's averaging 21 minutes a game this year and is shooting 50% from the field, 57% from three, and 100% from the free throw line. <laughs> How many free throws has he taken 12. this year? 12. <laughs> yeah. That's incredible. And he's shooting like two threes per game. Wow. So that's actually 57% is pretty sick. That's pretty sick. <laughs> so wow. He's a hilarious addition to the club because I think the other guys who are in it, I think there's like nine of them are all first battle hall of famers. Yeah. So Tony Snell just get it dude. We, we were actually briefly talking about the 50 40 90 club while we were at the game last night because two years ago chris middleton missed it by 0.3 percent in field goals he was like 49.7 percent shooting 41.6 percent from three and 91.6 percent from the free throw line i think that's pretty solid but chris middleton's kind of a certified playoff bum i made a lot <laughs> of money in the playoffs last year taking chris middleton unders on points plus rebounds plus assists so I'm, I'm a Middleton hater, I guess. There we go. All right. And then one more thing I wanted to throw out there with baseball is that this past weekend, Fernando Tatis Jr. became the first player ever to have back-to-back two home run games with all of those home runs against Cy Young Award winners. He hit two bombs off of Clayton Kershaw on Friday, two bombs off of Trevor Bauer on Saturday. That's good to quite good. He's That's pretty sick. He's a pretty strong player. Did you see the whole controversy or whatever about the Tatis-Bauer thing? Uh, I didn't see any controversy. I saw what happened, but I didn't see there was any controversy. So there's a video of him kind of looking back and potentially stealing the sign as Will Smith was giving it. Oh, that part of it, yeah, yeah. But anyway, yeah, the, the dialogue after I thought was pretty fun. Tatis hit the home run off Bauer, taunted him as he was running around the bases. Bauer came out and said, I'm all for it. You know, I think that guy or pitchers who throw at guys for celebrating are soft, and he is basically encouraging all of the, you know, celebrations from both hitters and pitchers. So I don't know. I like it. I, I think I'm doing a 180 on Bauer. He's recognizing that baseball needs to be more fun. Yeah, I think you did a 180 on Bauer last year, right? When he started being a good pitcher and not just a, a Twitter monster. Correct. Yeah, I'm, I'm a big 180 on Bauer guy. He, okay. He's very polarizing. So, you know, I got to jump across both sides of the fence sometimes. Yeah, I feel it there. All right, you ready for a little NFL time? Let's do it. Let's do it. Okay, so we're going to do a first round NFL mock draft. We're just going to go back and forth here. I'm taking the odds. Preston's taking the evens. We're going to run with it. Obviously, this is going to be a little bit difficult because there are so many trade scenarios that are likely to happen this week, teams moving up and down, whatever. So we're going to do the best we can with the current situation, the current picks in order, but we will talk about what could possibly happen at those picks as we go. That's right. And yeah, just to kind of recap what Landon said, this is a no trades mock draft. We don't want to kind of project trades. Who's going to move up? Who's going to get moved down? It's guaranteed to happen, especially if some of these quarterbacks start to slip, but Let's kick off the no trades mock draft. Landon, you and the Jacksonville Jaguars are on the clock at number one overall. Who you got? Ton yeah. of suspense here. There's a ton of suspense here. Yeah, we got 32 picks to go, so this is going to take long enough. So I'm going to make this nice and quick. I'm going to go Trevor Lawrence. It's just not even a question. It hasn't been since the season ended or really four years ago, whatever, three years ago, we knew Trevor Lawrence was going to be this pick. He just has the size, mobility, arm talent, the smarts, everything you want. And a first overall quarterback, I think he's got a great coaching situation stepping in with Urban Meyer. They got to surround him with some good players, but 
good start to the franchise right there, Trevor Lawrence. Yeah, and he's already like started contributing to like Jacksonville charities and becoming active in the community. So yeah. I think everyone in the world, you know, <laughs> yeah. you're, you're not betting on anyone else here. So number two pick, the New York Jets. I've got them taking Zach Wilson, Mormon Mahomes, the quarterback at a BYU. I'm just going to go ahead and say I think this is a mistake. He has the physical tools, but you know, the production just wasn't there against good teams in college. I just, I would take Justin Fields here, but I think it's Zach Wilson, quarterback BYU to the Jets to kick off the new era with Robert Sala at head coach. Yeah, it's definitely going to be Zach Wilson. I think the thing that teams have fallen in love with that I've read at least are his ability to improvise. He's a really good athlete and he also has just great football IQ. Everyone says he's an impressive guy in a film room, has great recall, understands what defenses are trying to do to him. So Zach Wilson, it's going to be. Yeah. And again, I'm, I'm on the record. Bad pick. <laughs> there we go. All right, cool. So number three is where the draft really starts. And like you, I'm high on fields. And if it were me, I would take fields here. But based on the reports that have come out within the last 24 hours, Justin Fields has, I guess, been eliminated from contention for the third overall pick by the Niners. They are down to between Mac Jones and Trey Lance. And from what I've heard, the personnel people like the scout the scouts for the Niners want Trey Lance but Kyle Shanahan likes Mac Jones and it's interesting when you read all these things because it's so funny in the NFL draft at this stage or really for the last few weeks is teams are deciding what they're going to do and then they go out and spread as much misinformation as they can so there's all kinds of like rumors flying around and you have no idea whether they're true or not but as far as I can tell I think the Mac Jones or Trey Lance thing is real and just based on everything that seems like it's going, everything that, all the information coming in, it seems like it's going to be Mac Jones, right? He's the most NFL-ready quarterback aside from Trevor Lawrence in the draft, probably. I mean, at least as far as competition is concerned. I think that's fair to say because he played with 10 NFL offensive exactly. players at Alabama and won a national championship. So, exactly. yeah, I think that's fair to say. Exactly. But when, when it's NFL draft season, it's smokescreen season. Like you said, yeah. I texted you the tweet this morning from Ian Rappaport that said it's now between Mac Jones and Trey Lance. You can choose to believe it or not. I mean, even if uh, Justin Fields is still in contention, it seems like Shanahan's in love with Mac Jones, and I think that they trust him with that franchise, so he's going to get his way. Yep, so I'm going Mac Jones, number three overall to the Niners. Got it. All right. So number four, the Atlanta Falcons. I think this is an incredibly interesting pick, especially now with the rumors that they are open to trading Julio Jones to kind of help solve that cap issue problem Mm -hmm. that they have. So they could go one of several ways here. And they're one of the only teams up here that just could do one of several things. They could take a quarterback, whether it's Justin Fields or Trey Lance, if he's still sitting there, they could take Jamar Chase that people are starting to talk about now to replace Julio, or they could go with Kyle Pitt. So I think is the odds on favorite here. I'm going to go with Pitts. I think that he helps Matt Ryan now for the next couple of years and the quarterback of the future. He could be, you know, a generational tight end who's really good in the league for 10 to 15 years. So I'm going Pitts, the big kid out of Florida. How do you feel about that? How do you feel about taking a tight end fourth overall? I don't like it. It's just not a high value position. And I, I totally get that he, you know, we overuse the term generational, but I totally get that he's kind of a different animal. He can line up at receiver, you know, inside, outside, and he can be a mismatch nightmare. But for a team that needs to rebuild, I just don't think it makes sense. Like they have so many needs on defense. They're going to need a quarterback in a couple of years, if not now. So I don't like the pick. I think that they should either take a quarterback or trade down. Yeah. A couple things here. One is that the three best tight ends of the last decade, at least in my opinion, right? Aren't they Gronk, Travis Kelsey, George Kittle probably? Yeah. Or none of them were first round picks, right? I just think it's hard to project tight ends necessarily to the NFL. It's just a, a difficult thing to do. There's been a lot of highly picked tight ends that haven't really panned out in the league. And then second of all, 
when you have this high of a pick and you are a four and 12 team and you need to completely rebuild your franchise, I just don't think a tight end makes a big enough impact on the game to rebuild, right? Like my opinion is you either trade down and try to get a few guys, fill a few different holes at the same time, or you've got to get a guy at a premium position. And the three premium positions are quarterback, offensive tackle, and defensive end, whatever, pass rusher. There's a reason the last, did you know the last 25 number one overall picks in the draft have either been one of those three positions, quarterback, defensive end, or offensive tackle. Yeah, I'm not surprised. 20, I mean, those 25 the, in a row. Yeah. That's nuts. <laughs> 1996, Keyshawn Johnson was the last one that wasn't one of those three positions. So Wow, that's yeah. crazy. Yeah, exactly. So I don't like that for the Falcons, but like you said, seems to be the thing that's going to happen. So yeah, Kyle Pitts, you, is that what you're going with? That's what I'm going with. And last thing I'll say on it, we noted that there was a reported disagreement between the head coach, Arthur Smith, and the front office, Terry Fontenot, on this. So if you know the head coach is going to get his way and thinks that they can compete now so they're not going to take a quarterback, then yeah, this is kind of what happens. You just take best player available. All right, cool. cool. All right, so the fifth overall pick is the Bengals, and they've got really two huge holes they're trying to fill. It's either going to be a, an offensive weapon, someone to throw the ball to, or it's going to be a tackle to protect Joe Burrow. And this is interesting because kind of the chalk pick right now is Penny Sewell, who is a tackle out of Oregon, played left tackle all of college. But the weird thing is that they drafted their hopefully franchise left tackle two years ago in the first round in Jonah Williams out of Alabama. And they recently announced that regardless of what they do this offseason, that Jonah Williams is going to stay at left tackle. And so there's already been news that Penny Sewell has been practicing at right tackle to try to prepare for that just in case he ends up at that spot in the NFL. But it's really interesting to see kind of how the pieces fall at this point. I think kind of the three guys that are in play here are going to be Kyle Pitts if he's there, Penny Sewell, and Jamar Chase. I think if Kyle Pitts is there, that they might go with him. But I think he's going to be gone. So I'm going to take Penny Sewell, playing right tackle, have those two guys bookending in front of Joe Burrow, protect him for years to come. That's a good pick. And I knew that you were going to pick that because I heard you talk about it on Saturday morning on the radio. You did. So shout out Thomas Mott, 92-9 the game. Ready your Mott, let's go. <laughs> yeah, so that's a good pick. I think it's a coin flip here between Sewell and reuniting Joe Burrow with his buddy Jamar Chase out of LSU. I think Sewell's the good pick. They got to protect their franchise quarterback. So number six, the Miami Dolphins are on the clock. I think this one's a no-brainer if he's on the board. They want Tua to be the franchise quarterback. They need to get him a weapon. They've got a decent receiver with Devontae Parker, but they need a true number one, and that's Jamar Chase out of LSU. And then, I mean, they remember they were number three. They traded to number 12 and then traded back up to six. And I think trading back up to six was, you know, having in mind they wanted either Jamar Chase or Kyle Pitts. Mm -hmm. So I think this is a no-brainer for them, Jamar Chase to the Dolphins. Yeah, this is a pretty quick turnaround for them as far as going from a team that was somewhat devoid of offensive weapons to a team that has some pretty good ones. When they go from... Devontae Parker, they already signed Will Fuller as a free agent this offseason. And if they draft Jamar Chase along with Mike Gesicki, who's a solid tight end, like that's a that's a good good little like entourage to throw to for Tua, right? It is. And Will Fuller, I mean, I think that was just a one-year signing, but if they decide they want to bring him back, yeah, that could end up being an incredible receiving core. Yeah, when he stays healthy, he's a really good player. Oh yeah, for, for sure. sure. For sure. Okay, so number seven is the Lions. And the Lions, once again, have a very, very obvious need, especially after Kenny Galladay is no longer there. He's now with the New York Giants. So they need someone to throw the ball to. This draft is just loaded with top-end receivers. So I think you've got to go with the next best receiver available. And in my opinion, that is Devontae Smith. I mean, we've we've seen what he did in college. I don't care about his size. He weighed in at like whatever, 166, I think, at his pro day. Yep. He's small, but he's lightning. It doesn't matter. The guy can play football. 
and they desperately, desperately need someone to throw the ball to. So I'm going Lions, seventh overall, Devontae Smith. Yeah, you can't let this guy slide down the board because of his weight. An NFL team can make him 180 in like two weeks if they want to. <laughs> you know, like that's just kind of the way it goes I mean, with these guys. He's De- a little undersized. Deshaun Jackson has had a good NFL career. He weighed 161 at the Combine. Yeah, and Devontae Smith, I mean, you talk about Deshaun Jackson. Devontae Smith had, like, one of the best wide receiver careers of all time in college. Yes. Like, he was nuts. Yes, he's incredible. Two natties and a Heisman. He's hard not to root for. Like, I hate, I freaking hate Bama. Yeah. But Devontae <laughs> Smith is, is a pretty cool guy. Yeah, he's the man. And I just want to note real quick, I think this could be a trade-down spot. They're in a big rebuild. I texted my Lions insider, Michael Tonetti. He said he's hearing buzz about Micah Parsons or a trade-down. So I found that intriguing, but I could certainly see Devontae Smith here. Yeah, either one of those would work. I, I think they are very very highly likely trade down candidate for the exact reasons you said they they're not going anywhere anytime soon so yeah it's possible yeah so now i am on the clock at number eight with the carolina panthers i think another trade down spot from what i'm hearing but i'm just going to make the pick for them here they need to protect their new quarterback in sam darnold they currently have cam irving slotted in at left tackle this is a guy that's bounced between the chiefs the browns the cowboys the last few years he is not a starting left tackle in the league they're taking rashawn slater to uh, protect Sam Darnold's blindside O tackle out of Northwestern. All right. Did you see what Mick Shea came out with this morning about this? About the Panthers pick or yeah. what do you say? Yeah. Just rumors floating around that they oh, might they get could, a quarterback. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> see, that's the kind of thing I just, I think of the, the Elmo meme where he's just standing there with the room <laughs> on fire. Like, what are you doing? It, it just reminds me of um, when the, when the Eagles took Jalen Hurts and just, it kind of felt like they just immediately cut Carson Wentz's legs out from under him a little bit. Like what a shot to Sam Darnold's confidence if they take a quarterback or a, yeah, a quarterback at eight instead of getting him some help, whether it's a tackler or a receiver. Yeah, it would be very interesting. He made the point. I mean, Darnold's still on a rookie contract only for one more year, has a small cap hit. So like he comes in, he blows the doors off of everybody. He's like, okay, resign him long-term. That's our guy. Or if you have a, a young quarterback asset that you can trade for a lot in the future, it's not a bad situation to be in. But yeah, it's it's a tough spot to put Sam Darnold in. Yeah, if that happens, Sam Darnold is starting to feel a lot like Josh Rosen to me. <laughs> if if that happens, then I'm I, right now. I'm in on Sam Darnold. If that happens, I'm out on Sam Darnold. Oh, I'm already because, out. Just because I know they're thinking I, about I, it. I know you are, dude. Okay, <laughs> they like Sam Darnold. They just want the best player available. I'm just saying, like, if you put a guy in that spot, it's really hard for him to succeed. So I'm a Sam Darnold guy. But like I said, I'm out on him if this happens. I, I don't know. After two weeks, Joe Brady already decided he can't fix Sam Darnold. Get out of here. Okay. <laughs> You're up. All right. So number nine is the Denver Broncos. This is a wild card team as far as what they could do. There's a lot of talk about them possibly trading up. Go ahead and talk about them possibly trading up with the Falcons. What do you mean? I mean, I, I've said before, I think that like that's a perfect spot for them. They'd probably have to give up two first rounders to move up from nine to four. And I think, you know, Justin Fields could be the guy there. But is that what you're talking about? Yeah. Did, did someone trade or, or tweet the other day that that's like a likelihood or that they thought I, that I was going to happen? I have seen that. Yeah. yeah, I've seen that a couple places. Yeah, so, so the Broncos might move up and take a quarterback. I think there's still going to be a quarterback available here, depending on who they like. And so depending on, or based on the way that this draft has gone so far, our mock draft has gone so far, I think this pick would have to be Justin Fields. Like we said, just too talented of a guy to be dropping much further than this. So Justin Fields to be the future franchise quarterback of the Denver Broncos. Is he tall enough for John Elway? I don't know. <laughs> he likes the Paxton Lynches and uh, Brock Osweilers of the world. Oh, that's, but <laughs> that's gone well. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you've got Justin Fields of the Broncos. And yeah, we talked a little bit about trades. Like if the Falcons don't take a quarterback at four, I think the phones just start ringing off the hook for these next few teams. So that's where things could get nuts. But anyway, I'll just make my next pick. Number 10, 
our team, the Dallas Cowboys, got a big need at cornerback. They lost Byron Jones in free agency to the Dolphins two years ago, and then this past offseason, they lost Chidobe Awuzie, cornerback to the Bengals. So they've got a big hole to fill there. The rumors are that the front office likes Patrick Sertan Jr. The coaches like J.C. Horn. I'm going with PS2 out of Alabama. Pair him back up with his teammate Trayvon Diggs on the other side. So I've got PS2 to the Cowboys at 10. All right, there we go. We'll see what happens. We, we desperately need some help on defense, so I hope that happens. Big time. A lot of needs. That's the biggest one in my in my opinion. Yep. All right. Moving on to pick number 11, which is the New York Giants. They've got a, they've got a few different needs. A lot of the kind of experts are saying that they might go offensive or defensive line right here. I think that after adding Kenny Galladay and having Daniel Jones at quarterback, they're going to want to surround him with a few more weapons. They don't really have anyone great to throw the ball to behind Kenny Galladay. So I think they might go with another weapon here. Just a value pick because this player is such a good steal, really. That's part of the draft. I think Jalen Waddle is a game-breaking type receiver. Ridiculous speed. That guy can blow the doors off of a defense at any time. So I think the Giants are going to go with Jalen Waddle at 11. Yeah, that would be a pretty good pick. I mean, pairing up with Kenny Galladay and Darius Slayton, Evan Ingram, they start to look pretty dangerous. Saquon catching passes out of the backfield. But as long as Jason Garrett's their offensive coordinator, they're not going anywhere. So not too worried about the G-men. Yeah, I'm with you there. All right, you got 14? 12. (laughs) <laughs> Unless you want me to go ahead yeah, and do yeah, 12, bad, 13, bad, and 14. My bad, my bad, my bad, 12. <laughs> yeah, so continuing the NFC East portion of the evening, number 12, the Philadelphia Eagles. They could use a playmaker on offense to help Jalen Hurts, but I'm going defense here. I think that they've had a strong front seven the last few years, but have been a little weak on the back end. So I think they would love either one of the top two corners, Sertan and Horn. Sertan obviously went 10 to the Cowboys in this situation, so I'm going J.C. Horn, cornerback out of South Carolina. Alfred, a high school product. Let's go Raiders. Raider Nation. Go Raids. Come on. All right. So number 13 is the Chargers, and they're in a very similar position to the Panthers a little bit higher up as far as having a good young quarterback that they maybe believe in. They believe in Justin Herbert a lot more than apparently the Panthers believe in Sam Darnold, but <laughs> you got to protect your young quarterback, and so they're going to be looking left tackle here. I like Christian Darisol out of Virginia Tech. He's a really athletic big guy, and I think he could anchor down that left side of the line for the next decade or so. Like He's that kind of player, so Christian Darisol to the Chargers. Got to protect Justin Herbert. Incredible rookie season. He's on the upswing, so yeah, I think that's, you know, it's a boring pick, but sometimes those are the best ones when you just get those big O tackles, and they're there for 12 years. For sure. I mean, I remember back in the day when the Cowboys took Tyron Smith, it's just never exciting, right? right. You're never like, oh, I'm so pumped that my team he's a hall took of a tackle, but he's a <laughs> Hall of Famer. Just, it's so nice to drop back there and be like, okay, that side of the field is safe. Like it yes. really is. Like it's, it's incredible. So yeah, it's a position you take for granted until you don't have it. Exactly. And yeah. remember, remember we, you and I, the only football game, the only NFL game that you and I have been to at Mercedes Benz was Falcons against Cowboys. Tyron Smith was out and freaking Adrian, Adrian Claiborne had six, six sacks, sacks out, of, out of 10 total, I think. Yes. Yeah, that was a nightmare. Yeah, we, we need Tyron Smith. You need left tackles. You need left tackles. All right, so Darisol out of Virginia Tech to the Chargers at 13. So I am on the clock at 14 with the Minnesota Vikings. This is kind of one of my first surprise picks of the draft. I'm going with hometown guy out of the University of Georgia. Go dogs, Aziz Ojolari. Let's go dogs. Pass rusher coming off the edge. The Vikings were 28th in the NFL in sacks last year. They need some pass rush. Someone to uh you know rush opposite Danielle Hunter Daniel 
No one really knows no how one to knows. say his name. Mr. Hunter. <laughs> yes, Mr. Hunter and Mr. Ojolari on the other side could be a great tandem. And one thing I want to note here is I follow this guy on Twitter. He's a draft analyst, always puts together a big board. His name is Marcus Mosher, if you've heard of him. Pretty well respected, ton of followers. Anyway, he's got Ojolari as his number eight overall player and doesn't really know why he's not a consensus top 15, especially in a pack or in a weak pass rushing draft. It's a premier position. I think he could go early. This is one of the weirdest drafts I can remember in terms of pass rushers, right? Like no one's going to go in the top 10 and there's like five different guys who could be the first pass rusher taken. Like there's just, there's no consensus whatsoever on who the best guy is. And it's going to be a complete kind of like guessing game. And it's not just pass rushers either. There's no interior D lineman. There's mean, no interior D lineman. It's in like draft. Christian Barmore, Barmore is like be, the only one who might go in the back half in like the twenties or something. He'll likely be a second rounder, but yeah, it's just crazy. Yeah. There's just no D linemen that are like anyone's that high on this draft is loaded on offense and the front seven on defense are kind of tough. Right. Yep. Crazy. All yep. right. You're up uh, number 15, the Patriots number 15. I think this is the most unlikely pick in this entire thing that we're doing here because I don't, I can't imagine a scenario in which the Patriots are actually picking 15, right? No. I mean, if there's not a quarterback there, I would think that they go down. I don't know. Yeah, they could do I, a lot. They, I think if they like a, a, if they like a deal, they would move up and get a quarterback. If they don't like a deal, they would move down and get more picks. I don't think they're going to sit here. I think they're going to move somewhere. But given the exercise that we're currently doing and their desperate need for a quarterback, we still got one, one of the top five quarterbacks left right here. So I'm going to go with Trey Lance out of North Dakota State. I mean, who better to learn from Cam Newton for a year than Trey Lance? They yeah. kind of play similar uh, quarterback styles. So I think that Trey Lance could be a good Belichick project for the future. But like you said, 15, probably not going to happen. I could yeah. see them moving up. They were really aggressive this offseason. So maybe they'll go get their guy. I can't really see any of these top five quarterbacks falling beyond like 12 or so, right? I think all five of them are going to be going to be gone by 12. So it could be the Pats taking Trey Lance, but I don't think it's going to be here. But We'll see what happens. We shall see. All right, number 16, the Arizona Cardinals. I've got them taking Micah Parsons, linebacker out of Penn State. Good value here. Potential top 10 guy. I mentioned him maybe to the Lions at number seven. So I think the Cardinals getting him at 16, shoring up that defense a little bit. And he's kind of one of those guys that, you know, he can rush the passer. He can play in coverage a little bit. He kind of plays all over the field. One of those positionless dudes. And pairing him with Isaiah Simmons, both of them kind of roaming around, playing sideline to sideline, I think could be a really interesting combination and now they've got jj watt on that side too so kind of starting to sound like a a stacked defense with all those guys and chandler jones that's a fun team to watch both offensively and defensively we both liked the cardinals last year and i like the cardinals again in this upcoming season yeah don't forget they added aj green too so good offseason they need a good draft and they could contend in that division is phoenix about to take over as the sports capital of the united states with the suns and the cardinals <laughs> Maybe. And, and after and the backs no hitting the Braves? Yeah. The Diamondbacks <laughs> yeah. going nuts too. Yeah. Wow. I didn't even think about that. Wow. Phoenix, Electric City. <laughs> I right. guess so. All right. So 17, we're going Raiders. The Raiders' needs are kind of interesting. They don't really have a very good offensive line, but they also can't rush the passer. So. I'm going to go another kind of wild card pass rusher here. You already went Aziz off the board. I'm going to go with Jalen Phillips out of Miami. He's a really interesting story. His background is that he started off playing college football at UCLA, ended up retiring because he had so many injuries. He was just kind of over it, hated the, didn't want to do any more rehab, decided to come back to football, went to Miami, and now he's going to be hopefully likely a first round pick. So easy got a root for there incredibly talented pass rusher it just depends on whether or not a team is willing to take the injury risk so if there's any team that we know that is not 
like against taking risks with players, it's the Raiders. So Raiders, Jalen Phillips at 17. <laughs> yeah, I'm just glad to know that Miami still plays football. I thought that them and Florida State both kind of shut down the programs. But anyway. <laughs> yeah, if you merge those two teams, they'd still not even come close to contending with with Clemson. Yeah. All I know is that the Raiders with John Gruden, they're going to reach for somebody, whoever it is. They're probably <laughs> going to make a bad pick. I would love to be in the in the draft room with John Gruden though, right? Like one of my favorite things that ESPN's ever done is the quarterback thing with John Gruden. Like that was so much fun. I just I like that guy and so I'm rooting for him, but yeah, I, don't, I have no idea what they're going to do. Yeah, the rumors are that he'll just make these crazy split second decisions where like you've talked about something for months and then all of a sudden at the drop of a hat he'll be like, you know what, I've fallen <laughs> in love with this guy, I want him. So who knows what the heck Gruden Gruden is going to do? Yep. But anyway, I am up with uh, the Dolphins at number 18, their second pick of the first round, and I just want to say I'm proud of the Dolphins. They've done a great job these last couple years under Brian Flores, kind of turning that franchise around, done a great job of roster building through both the draft and through free agency. So I think they really put themselves in position to take the best player available here, you know, no matter where it is after getting Jamar Chase earlier at number six. So at number 18, I've got them taking my favorite name in the draft, Quiddy Pay, defensive end out of Michigan. Yeah, just to add to that pass rush, and I think that that'll really help that defense. So just name alone, not player defensive ends from Michigan. Do you like better Quiddy Pay or Taco Charlton? Well, I'm incredibly biased there because Taco Charlton is one of, if not the worst That's pick what I just in said, Cowboys name history. only. Name only. Yes, but I, I, I can't. You can't I separate can't, the name from the player? No. Okay. So, so Quiddy Pay has got to be my guy there. Okay, I'm going tacos all day. I love tacos. I love tacos too, but not the Charlton variety. I've not had Taco Bell yet in 2021, and I I need some. Ooh, that's that's rough. It's tough. Okay, number 19 overall is the Washington football team. They are another team that has a possibility of maybe trading up to get one of those five quarterbacks. They would have to give up a lot to move up from 19 into that range, so I don't really see it happening, but keep your eye on them because they could be on the move. If they don't move up and get a quarterback, then they desperately need a left tackle to protect their quarterback, and the best one available at this point in the draft is Tevin Jenkins out of Oklahoma State, so left tackle for the uh, the Washington football team. I like it. Is Tevin Jenkins the one who wears the Rex Specs? I don't know, does he? Yeah, I think he wears goggles like Rodrigo style. He looks sick. I wish he was on the Colts. If they formed a Rex Beck alliance, you would have to root for them. Yes, absolutely. I like that pick. All right, good good addition to the offensive line in Washington. So I'm up with number 20, the Chicago Bears. I was so incredibly tempted to go quarterback here, and I think that it, it could happen. I read something hilarious that the Bears were somehow linked to Kyle Trask because Trask is repped by the same agent as Andy Dalton. <laughs> like, so the Bears are going to draft or overdraft by a long shot a quarterback who's not going to be any good because he's repped by a quarterback who's also not going to be any good that they just signed. Like what kind of reach that is, is that? ridiculous. Yeah, so the next quarterbacks off the board are either going to be Trask or Davis Mills. They could take that route, especially if they trade down but I think they're more likely to trade up for one of the top five. Anyway, number 20, I'm going with Greg Newsom, the second cornerback out of Northwestern. Their biggest loss of the offseason was Kyle Fuller, their stud cornerback who left for the Broncos. So here's his replacement, Greg Newsom out of Northwestern. All right, I like it. So number 21 is the Indianapolis Colts. They have traded for Carson Wentz this offseason, and so they need to desperately protect his soup knee. And so they don't have a left tackle anymore because Anthony Costanza retired. And unfortunately for them, the way that our mock draft has gone so far, kind of all the top left tackles are gone, but they can still shore up that offensive line. I like Elijah Vera Tucker out of USC. He played tackle in college and played it really well, but for whatever reason, I guess it's kind of the, the way he's built really. 
is that NFL teams seem to like him more at guard, but he could kind of be versatile. He could slide in at both. So I'd say the Colts are going to go with Elijah Vera Tucker this pick. All right, I like it. Definitely got to protect Carson Wentz. I forgot to tell you, I made a terrible bet. What'd you make? What'd you make a bet on? <laughs> I bet with Chubbs that uh, Jacob Eason and Jake Fromm would combine for zero career starts in the NFL. But then I realized mm. that Jacob Eason's the backup to freaking Glass Carson Wentz. If he just gets hurt one time, is I he lose. second string? Do they still have Brissett? Yeah, they do. I think so, right? I don't know. I let's hope so. Look it up. Because if so, then I'm kind of back to loving my bet. Let's Jake, look it up. Jake Fromm's going to be out of the league in a couple of years. No, Jacoby Brissett's on the Dolphins now. Sorry, man. Yeah. You are effed. I'm very screwed. Yeah. Carson Wentz is going to go down like within the first six weeks. Yeah, that's a disaster. Easy or just get, bum. Or get benched. They're both bums. Oh, certified bums. Certified bums, yeah. All and right. then Jake Fromm, is he still in the league? Yes, he is third string on the um, Bills. Bills. Yeah, because they signed Mitch Trubisky. Is he going to make the roster this year? Yes. So there was a little bit of talk about that after he or after they traded or signed Mitch Trubisky, but then they cut Matt Barkley. So I think Fromm is the number three guy. (laughs) Anyway, back on track. Number 22, (laughs) the Tennessee Titans. Also one of the worst pass rushes in the league last year. Then they lost to Davion Clowney. He signed in free agency with the Browns. So they're going to get a linebacker slash defensive end pass rusher to replace him. I'm going with Zayvon Collins, big guy out of Tulsa. I like it. All right. So we got the number 23 pick now, and that is the New York Jets. So you already had them taking Zach Wilson with the second pick, and there's a few different directions that they could go with this pick. One that I've seen rumored that's kind of fun is to go with a running back here, whether it's Najee Harris or Travis Etienne. Both would be an upgrade from 87-year-old Frank Gore. <laughs> it's kind of interesting. I have seen over the last couple of days that some teams are starting to like Travis Etienne over Najee Harris because he's more of kind of a home run threat guy that can score in any play or anytime he touches the ball. So it'd be interesting to see who the first running back taken is here. But I'm going the other side of the ball. I'm going with a cornerback, the best corner available at this point in time, who's kind of a steal at this pick, which is Caleb Farley out of Virginia Tech. This guy is is really good. In other drafts, he might be higher than the third best corner, but with JC Horn and Patrick Sertan up there, he fell a little bit, but I'm going with uh, Caleb Farley at this pick, 23rd overall to the Jets. I like it. Yeah. People were talking about him as a top 10 pick before. I think he had to have back surgery for some issue, but yeah, that's a good pick. Good value here as long as he recovers fully. So I am up with the number 24 pick, the Pittsburgh Steelers. Every draft cycle in every sport, there becomes like this consensus mock draft. Like one team's going to take this guy at this pick. Do you know who I'm about to say? No. Najee Harris. Yeah. (laughs) Everybody's got the, the Steelers taking Najee Harris at 24. I don't get it if they're like, I know their run game has been bad, but that's partially because of the O-line. And if they're really going to take one last run at contending, given how good their defense is with, you know, in the Ben Roethlisberger era, you know, get, I don't know, get Ben some help elsewhere. Like they don't need a running back. (laughs) So I just think that having lost their offensive tackle, Alejandro Villanueva, who is apparently set to sign with the Ravens um, after the draft, they need to backfill him at offensive tackle. So I've got them going with Dylan Radins out of North Dakota state. And I think he's going to have to start at tackle for them. I mean, they're thin up there now. Two North Dakota state guys in the first round. Pretty crazy. Nuts. That's why they were pretty good. Yeah. I mean, left tackle and quarterback, like you said earlier, those are two out of the three 
premier positions in football. So that'll work. All right. So number 25, I've got the Jag second pick after they took Trevor Lawrence at number one overall. So obviously once Trevor Lawrence is there, you got to get him some weapons and they desperately need some help on the outside. There's a few really good receivers still at the spot. This, this draft is just so loaded at the receiver spot, but I'm going with a guy out of Florida, partially because of the Urban Meyer Florida connection, partially just because he's a really good player, and that is Kadarius Tony. So he's a he's a guy that can can kind of blow the top off at any time too. He's a deep threat, also a really good route runner. Just think he's got a lot of explosiveness. Teams seem to be really high on him, so I'm going with Kadarius Tony at 25 for the Jags. Good stuff and a nice weapon for Trevor Lawrence. All right, so number 26, the Cleveland Browns. I've got them taking another one of my favorite names in the draft, and this is my favorite value of any first round pick. Jeremiah Owusu Koromoa, linebacker out of Notre Dame. So he is a linebacker in name, but he lined up a ton in the slot. Really good in coverage, can cover receivers can cover running backs out of the backfield. He's a little bit undersized. He's kind of of the of the Roquan Smith mold, really quick, really fast, play sideline to sideline. And I think this is a guy who could go in the top 15, but given how the board falls, he's at 26 here to the Browns. Yeah, that's a really, really good value at that spot. The Browns are going to be sick. The Browns are loaded. They're on their way, and they're kind of at the point where they're about to have to pay Baker. So it's like this year and next year, it's like this is their time. When when you got a rookie, we say this all the time. When you got a quarterback on a rookie deal, that is your window. That's the time right yeah, there. Go for it, and yeah. they are. I mean, they I mentioned earlier they just signed Clowney. They're they're making moves in free agency. They're going for it. Respect to the Browns. Okay, so we got the Ravens at twenty seven, and they just have the same story every year, seemingly. And it's, it's partially a product of who their quarterback is, but they can run the ball and they can throw to the running backs and they can throw to their tight ends, but they can't ever throw to a receiver. They've got a couple of decent guys in Hollywood Brown and in Devin Duvernay, but they need another guy on the outside. So I'm going with Rashad Bateman, wide receiver out of Minnesota, just to add just one more guy to throw the ball to and we'll see what they can do with it. I like it. Yeah. People have talked about how they need a number one receiver, but no one will go there in free agency because they want the ball. Like mm-hmm. they don't want to be on the outside blocking for J.K. Dobbins and yeah. Lamar Jackson all game. So I kind of get it. But yeah, maybe this will help get Lamar over the top. All right. So number 28, the New Orleans Saints. So I've got them. I think they need a receiver. You know, they've got Michael Thomas. He's going to be the guy for new quarterback, Jameis Winston, or your boy Taysom Hill. We'll see. Yeah, we'll see. <laughs> um, but they need somebody to backfill Emmanuel Sanders, who they lost in free agency. So I've got them going with Terrace Marshall, the big kid out of LSU. He's a hometown guy. They know him well. He had 23 touchdowns in his last two seasons at LSU with Joe Burrow. So um, yeah, I've got them taking Terrace Marshall, 28. All right. We've said it before. Say it again. The receiving core, the, the whole Joe Burrow LSU team just will always be absurd. Yeah. That receiving core. And then two years ago, Bama. Alabama, yeah. it, it's insane. What is it? Judy, Ruggs, Devontae Smith, Waddle. and Waddle. Yeah. yeah. That's that, Wow. Good luck. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay. So number 29 is the Green Bay Packers. I think they are out to sabotage Aaron Rodgers permanently. And they just try to pick somebody to to make his job as hard as possible every year but I think they might actually come to their senses this year and give him another weapon I know Alan Lazard and Marquez Valdez Scantling are like they're decent right they're not terrible players but I think they could use someone who's who's a bigger weapon so I'm going with Elijah Moore here just a slot receiver he's a guy who is who's a good deep threat out of the slot but also just a great route runner possession kind of guy he's a he's the type of player that the Packers don't currently have and I think he could be a big asset for them Kind of like Happy Gilmore, or sorry, yeah, Happy Gilmore was the only 
hockey player to ever take up a skate and try to stab somebody. That's correct. Elijah Moore is the only football player to lose his team a game by pretending to piss like a dog in the end zone. Yes, so, I, I forgot go. about that uh, very costly penalty until I saw the headline the other day. I didn't realize that was him. That was Love him. That. that was him. Also, this is going to make you very sad. You knew that Devontae Smith was committed to the dogs before he went to Bama. Did you know yes, Elijah I, Moore was, was as well? No, I didn't. Where's he from? I don't remember where he's from. Honestly. Hopefully not Georgia. That'll make me sad. Yeah, but two first-round receivers who were both committed to Georgia. <laughs> That's that are, really funny. Yeah. So I really like Elijah Moore. So he had 86 catches for 1,200 yards and eight touchdowns in only 10 games last year. Yeah. Like I think he's one of the most polished receivers in the draft, and he'll go earlier than this. And it's funny because when we were doing this draft yesterday, I meant to pick him for the Saints at 28 and just totally <laughs> forgot he was on the board, much like last year when the Eagles took Jalen Rager and forgot Justin Jefferson was on the board. And the year so before it, when, it they took, when they took J.J. Ortega-Whiteside when D.K. Metcalf was on the board. <laughs> Correct. Yes. So yeah, I was I was trying to be realistic by forgetting that someone was on the board when I picked another guy at his position. So anyway, <laughs> thank you for that. You're welcome. I am now up uh, for the Buffalo Bills at number 30. I've got them going with Jason Owe, defensive end out of Penn State. So this is a pass rusher who wasn't super productive in college. He only had seven sacks in his career in Penn State, but he's just an athletic freak. He was one of the biggest winners at these like fake pro days that they were doing because you couldn't have the combine yep. and everyone was running like 4.240s but anyway this guy ran a 4.39 at 6'5 252 pounds that's insane and his broad jump and like all of his other measurables were nuts too so this guy is just a freak of nature and I don't know I just think you know you get him into the league with some NFL coaching maybe he could blossom into a really good pass rusher so I think that he's a good value pick here at 30 for the Bills so I don't know much about this guy but I'm out already so <laughs> the reason why is because I hate it when teams fall in love with combine or pro day numbers when a guy just isn't good at football. Do you know who I'm about to talk about? The number one guy ever. Sean Oakman? <laughs> no. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, that was just his appearance. A, yeah, a dog. Cornelius Washington. Do you remember uh, okay. him? Barely. So he was there when we were there. So he was he was like a kind of defensive end, 3-4 defensive end type guy. And he was a monster. Just let me look this up real quick. So he was the kind of guy in his several years at UGA, he never did a single thing, right? He never made one memorable play. It was, he was just not a very good football player. <laughs> yep. And then he went to the NFL combine and put up stupid numbers. Here it is. So he weighed in or was measured at 6'4", 265. He ran a 4'5", had a uh, 39 inch vertical, 36 bench reps, just complete m combine monster. Yep. And so even though he was terrible at football, he got picked in the draft and then just it didn't last. He lasted like three years because he's not, he wasn't good at football. So this is, that's Jason Oway. Okay. You so you're really just kind of freaking out about my Jason Oway pick. Thanks a lot, man. Yeah. Sorry, man. <laughs> yeah. I just, no, it's okay. I, I totally get it. But I you know, they say Michael Jordan didn't make his high school basketball team. That is also <laughs> get out of here. Yeah. I don't really even know how that applies, but anyway. <laughs> All right. So I'm going with the, the Ravens pick at 31 here. So they've got 27 and 31 now after they made that trade with the chiefs last week. And they really have two obvious needs. One is a receiver and one is an offensive lineman to fill in for Orlando Brown. And I took Rashad Bateman with that pick at 27. So the obvious pick right now would be an offensive lineman. And the best one left to fill in that right tackle spot for them would be Alex Leatherwood, who is just a monster of a human being out of Alabama. He could kind of slide right in, be NFL ready, and, and protect Lamar Jackson. That would be a good pick. And I'm always jealous of these guys who like go to Alabama and then get drafted towards the end of the first round to a great franchise. It's like, 
you got a great setup. You've yeah. done really well this for is, yourself. This is easy for you. <laughs> yes, very happy for Alex Leatherwood if this is the case. All right, so the final pick of the first round, number 32, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, defending Super Bowl champions, returning all 22 starters to their team. That is incredible. Yeah, we were kind of like marveling at it last year when the Chiefs returned 20 of 22, and the Bucks just <laughs> come out with all of them. So anyway, point is, they've put themselves in position clearly to just take best player available because they've got everything. So I think that they would go with Trayvon Morig, safety at a TCU. So he's a guy who's kind of a rangy ball hawk safety. So you pair him on the back end with who they already have and Antoine Winfield and have you know two guys flying around back there. I think that really helps the back end of their defense for a potential Super Bowl defense. Yeah, this pick could really go any direction, right? If they're returning all of their starters, it's just going to be best player available. They're, they're probably just going to sit here see who falls that they like and pounce on the best player available and slide them in wherever they can. Right. So they could go any direction here, literally, including quarterback. And I just want to mention that because it's something I've seen. Um, I've seen people have them taking Davis Mills, quarterback out of Stanford. You know, he's 6'4", apparently really smart guy, got all the intangibles, all the tools to play quarterback. Maybe not the most production at Stanford as that program's kind of gone downhill, but if they're looking at number 32 for the quarterback of the future, he could be the guy. Do you remember my Davis Mills story? Was he an Alpharetta kid? He's a GAC GAC kid. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so I had like five Wesleyan kids at the same time as patients that all played football. And so like one Friday night, I just went to like support them as like they were all recovered and and back out there. So I went and watched them and I knew nothing about the other team. They were playing GAC. And as I'm watching the game, I'm like, the quarterback for this team is really freaking good. And I didn't know anything about him. So I looked him up and he was at that time ranked like 70, 80 something in the country. He was like a a mid four star recruiter or whatever. And then as time went on towards the end of the recruiting process, as he was a senior, he got bumped up to a five star recruit and he was a really highly touted guy. So he's a really talented kind of high pedigree player who just, like you said, didn't have much production at Stanford, but he's got talent and, and, you know, things happen. So he could be a good pick there. Yeah. Quarterbacks can get fixed from the, or from college to the NFL. We've seen it many times. So he could be the pick. And yeah, I remember that because I was bummed that he wasn't even considering Georgia. I guess he didn't want to go to the Harvard of the South. (laughs) I guess not. (laughs) All right. (laughs) All right. So that wraps it up for our NFL mock draft. Hope you enjoyed it. Lando, anything else we need to discuss? Oh, we had a little UFC on Saturday. We did. Did you watch it at all? So I didn't, but I heard a lot about it, and I saw a couple replays, one of which I wish I hadn't seen. But anyway, let give us the update. So a few things. One, it was a beautiful thing to have fans back. Not only fans, a full packed house. They were in Jacksonville, Florida. You know, Florida and Texas right now are, are next level. They don't <laughs> they don't give a single f about COVID. Oh, so, the, yeah, they're done. Yeah. So so the entire arena was packed, which was really really fun. I'm so used to after a full year of being able to hear like these guys breathe, being able to hear the punches land, hearing the coaches talking out of the corner. It was just different hearing the crowd reacting to the fight, but it was a lot of fun. And then it was just a great night from start to finish. Lots of really good fights. All five of the main card fights were finished by the second round. One in a really unfortunate way with Chris Weidman's leg snapping in half, which was... That was gross. It was very gross, and it's also really weird because the only other time I've ever been watching a UFC fight when that happened was against Chris Weidman. Oh, really? Who was that? Anderson Silva. Oh, okay. Yeah, so Chris Weidman is most famous for ending Anderson Silva's, whatever it was, eight-year run as the middleweight champion. And he beat him. And then their second fight, they had a rematch. Anderson Silva leg kicked Chris Weidman, his leg snapped. Yeah, it was crazy. I saw the replay and watching that in slow motion and seeing his leg break, 
and then in slow motion watching him have to land on it broke my brain i yes. hated it i yes. hope i never see anything like that ever again it was very bad but, <laughs> but i'm glad yeah i'm glad you enjoyed the event though it sounded like it was awesome it was awesome kamaru uzman is is just tough to stop that guy i'm not really sure who at 170 is gonna take him down anytime soon someone will come along that'll be a good matchup but right now there's nobody so mcgregor was jawing at him on twitter today and uzman was responding and so there's a little bit of build up around that is there any chance of that like mcgregor would have no chance that's just a money grab right yeah he's that that's not a good matchup for him that's like that's khabib was a really bad matchup for mcgregor just stylistically and Usman, given his size, is probably a slightly worse matchup because they're kind of, they they fight similarly. That's just not a good spot for him. McGregor needs to pursue the 155 championship and not think about 170. Yeah, fair enough. Well, anything else from UFC? Yeah, we had uh, Rose Namajunas do it again. So she is that couple, Thug? Yeah, Thug Rose. So a couple of years ago, she took down Yuani on Jacek, who people thought was kind of unstoppable in that division, and shocked the world. And then uh, she got beat. And now she did it again. Zhang Wei Li was on like a 21 fight win streak and Rose head kick knockout. It was sick. Have you seen all the reactions from the announcers, by the way? About, uh, yes, I've seen like memes about it, yes. but I haven't seen any like I'll replays. Sh- I'll show you a video as soon as we wrap this up. But one of my favorite things that the UFC does is they keep a camera on each of the three individual announcers at all times. So whenever something crazy happens, you see their reactions and all three of their reactions for both the main event and for Rose. Yeah, they're were, just going nuts. Awesome. <laughs> and then the last person I need to shout out is Valentina Shevchenko, Chubbs' favorite fighter of all time she is just a complete wrecking ball juggernaut right now no one has any answer for her nor will they have any answer for her in that division for a while so she's she's like top five pound for pound fighters right now she's just nasty in all facets of the fighting game so a lot of really good fights we have one of my one of the fights that i'm most looking forward to in a long time coming up in a few weeks here which is the 155 championship fight between charles Oliveira and uh, michael chandler so it's gonna be sick that'll be a good one where is it we're gonna have a packed house i think that one is back in vegas and i do think that they're gonna have yeah, fans again that'll so, be sick so that'll be really really fun love wait. that all right well last thing that i want to talk about today is a little bit of nba just two quick things the new york knicks have won nine in a row Let's go. and they're up to the four seed in the east which means they would get a home playoff series. Tom Thibodeau has totally turned that team around. Julius Randle should be in the conversation, you know, top five for MVP. And he's, he's gonna just win. going crazy. He's going to win most improved player. Oh, he has to. I mean, they've been pretty unbelievable. And then one more thing that I totally forgot about until I saw it the other day on the standings. They're doing that stupid play-in tournament this year for the seven and eight seeds. Oh, yeah. So the seven will play the 10 in each conference. No. You what? don't know how it works? It's, I thought it was. No, it's the stupidest thing ever. The seven plays the eight, one game. And the winner gets the seven seed. The nine plays the ten one oh, game. Oh, and that's the one where it's like a three-game series, but the higher seed starts up 1-0, basically. Uh, something like that. Yeah, yeah, so, if you win the first one as the higher seed, yeah. you're good. Yeah, yeah. If you lose, you have to so, play another so one. So seven plays eight, and the winner is a seven. Nine plays ten, and the the loser of the seven eight and the winner of the nine ten duke it out for the eight seed. Well, do, do you know why six is afraid of seven? The seven eight nine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I just it felt appropriate there. I'm sorry. But anyway, yeah, it's a very stupid setup. It doesn't matter because whoever gets the eight seed is just going to get swept by the one in both conferences anyway. But I don't know. I guess it's kind of a fun wrinkle, even though all of the players hate it. And the owners and the coaches. It's stupid. I hate the play-in. But the NBA announced today that they're going to make it permanent so do they really (laughs) the leagues keep doing things that the fans don't want just because i guess there's more games and therefore more money in it 
like the 17 game NFL season. You hear the college football playoff is already talking about going to 16. That's so ridiculous. I'm yeah. so out on that. Yeah, Mac told me about that today. Apparently, it's like maybe going to be phased and it wouldn't get to 16 until like 2025. But yeah, it's just so dumb. Yeah, like, it's all about the money. Yeah. The way the college football playoff has been, four is too many. Yeah. <laughs> just do Bama Clemson. <laughs> Seriously. <laughs> yeah. Seriously. But anyway. I'm with you. All right. Is that a wrap? Yeah. I think that, that's all we got for today. So it's NFL Draft Week. Enjoy it, everybody. Let's go. We'll, we'll kind of come back around on the NFL Draft after it happens next week and talk about some, re, some recap. But that's it for today. Thank you once again for tuning in. Don't forget to follow us on Spotify and Apple. Leave us some ratings and reviews, and we will catch you next Monday. Have a good day. Ooh.